Beautiful song, well done by Abby and the musicians. Give them a hand as well, can you? Well, I want to talk to you today, uh, start a three-week series on the angels of Christmas. And we're going to talk today about an angelic proclamation. Reading Luke 135, I want you to think about what we're reading. Stop and think of what we're reading, because this is so powerful. Luke 135, the Christmas story. The angel answered and said to her, her being Mary, here's what's going to happen, Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. That word overshadow in the Greek language, same word used to describe when the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep in Genesis and the creation happened. Same word. The Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you, the power of the highest. And therefore also, because of that, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Not the Son of a human male, but the Son or the begotten of God. Well, as if that's not powerful enough, let's read Matthew 1, 18. And here's another angle. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. Stop and think about that. What a profound statement. With child of the Holy Spirit. So we're on miracle ground now. We're on supernatural ground. So all this was done, verse 22 says, that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child. And bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, what everybody? Preach it to me. God with us. Try it again. God with us. Isn't this powerful? Father, thank you for your word today. Help us to really celebrate the actual cause of the season. And thank you, Lord, for your truth that penetrates the darkness all around us. Build our faith in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Tell your neighbor, you better perk up and listen. You're going to need this at work. You're going to need this. Now, have you noticed that you cannot open the pages of the Bible? You can't do it without instantly encountering a supernatural God and a vast array of supernatural beings. You can't open up the pages of the Word of God without instantly encountering the supernatural the Bible, what I love about it, it, it lifts the curtain between the natural and the supernatural, the earthly and the divine, and it allows us a glimpse into the other side, into the fourth dimension, into a dimension we would never see or know about if God did not give us a revelation about it because our eyes can't see it. We find in the pages of Scripture that what is just on the other side are angels, seraphim, cherubim, a devil, demons, an invisible God, a resurrected Jesus Christ, and the mighty Holy Spirit, all unseen to the naked eye, yet there. 
When we open up the pages of Scripture, we discover that these same unseen spiritual forces are influencing nations, nature, events, circumstances, people, governments, and the future of our world. Just crack open the book of Revelation, and you'll see that what we see, hear, taste, touch, and smell is being orchestrated by that unseen world. And everything is racing toward a climax of history under the providence and guidance of God. And it's very, very, very active in that spiritual world right now. And then when it comes to the birth of Jesus Christ and celebrating Christmas, hey, it's not about trees and it's not about uh, gifts and it's not about holidays and it's not about the winter solstice and all of that. But we are observing supernatural agents everywhere visiting the key players of the first Christmas drama. And when you look at it, you find angels visiting everywhere. Angels integrally involved in Christmas. There's at least three angelic visitations I'm going to talk about in the next three weeks. First one, we're going to look at an angelic proclamation. The angels that we just read about announcing the arrival of Jesus Christ via a virgin. Then we're going to look at an angelic celebration. Angels actually rejoicing over the birth of Jesus. Angels have emotions. They feel joy. They feel grief. They feel anger, righteous anger. And then we're going to look finally at an angelic revelation. When the angels reveal to Joseph Satan's plans to destroy the baby Jesus. And so we're going to see an angelic revelation. And by that revelation, they protected the Son of God, and they actively protect you and I. I think one of the great shocks we're going to have in heaven is realizing how close we came so many times, if not for the ministry of angels. So we're going to see an angelic proclamation, angelic celebration, and angelic revelation. But today, I want to look at the incredible angelic proclamation of the angels as they announced to Mary that the long-awaited Messiah, she knew all about this. She'd been raised in synagogue. She was a teenage girl, Jewish teenage girl, but she'd been raised being taught the prophets. She knew that they had prophesied a coming Messiah who would deliver her people and would bring peace to the earth. Now this angel told her something mind-boggling. Mary, you have been chosen to be the vessel to bring forth this Messiah. The Holy Spirit will get, come upon you, and the power of the highest is going to overshadow you, and that Holy One that is going to be born out of your womb is going to be called the very Son of God. Mary, you are going to be the recipient of a one-time only, unprecedented miracle act of God on your life. The Bible says her first response was fear. She was blown away. This wasn't just any angel. It was the mighty archangel, Gabriel. This mighty, powerful, spiritual being who every time he appeared in the Bible, the room or the place lit up and, and shined with the glory of God is suddenly talking to her. This is going to happen to you. An angel later testified to Joseph. Same angel, Gabriel came to Joseph in a dream and assured him since he was understandably devastated by the pregnancy of his soon-to-be wife. 
He said, that which is conceived in her, Joseph, is of the Holy Spirit. She has not been unfaithful to you. Nothing wrong has gone on. Joseph, this is supernatural. And the Bible confirms in Matthew 1.1 that just as the angel said, Mary was one day found with child of the Holy Spirit. Now the proclamation of a virgin birth immediately places the birth of Christ on supernatural ground. There's no way to get around this. No wonder so many people stumble and try to, try to say that this is, oh, this is just metaphors and similes and this is only poetic license to try to make a point. No, the Bible says this actually historically, undeniably, truthfully happened. It's not a myth, it's not a fable, it's not a children's bedtime story. Peter Larson wrote, The life of Jesus is bracketed by two impossibilities. The virgin's womb and an empty tomb. Two impossibilities. Virgins don't have babies and nobody comes out of the tomb, but Jesus did both. A virgin brought forth a son. His name was Jesus, and that same son grew up, was crucified, died, and rose from the dead, bracketed by two impossibilities, a virgin's womb and an empty tomb. Jesus entered our world through a door marked no entrance and left through a door marked no exit. Responding to what he might ask Jesus if he had the chance to do so, talk show host Larry King said, I would like to ask him if I could talk to Jesus. Larry King said, I would like to ask him if he was indeed virgin born. Because this answer to that question would define history. Indeed, Larry, it did. B.C., A.D., Many people say, virgin, born, impossible, absurd, a myth, a children's bedtime story, a fable, something out of Brothers Grimm. That's impossible. And a lot of people, most people, feel that way. And you know, as happens every Christmas season, the attacks on the virgin birth are falling all around us as pre so predictable from a culture that has walked away from the Word of God. There's a new advertisement out there now, a new, a new ad campaign displayed on buses and billboards across America by the organization called American Atheists. And it reads like this. You know it's a myth. This season, celebrate reason. I'm so glad they did that. Put it on all the buses. It doesn't phase me a bit. I'm glad because you know what? My faith can stand reason. But by the time I'm done, we're not going to be celebrating reason. We're going to be celebrating the reason for the season. But I liked what evangelist Ray Comfort suggests in light of that billboard. You know it's a myth. This season, celebrate reason. He said, I got my own billboard, atheistic evolution. You know it's a myth. This season, celebrate reason. <laughs> I like that. Now I want to do what the atheists are advising. Let's be reasonable. I'm more than happy to be reasonable up here as a preacher of the gospel, a teacher and preacher of the word of God. My God can stand reason. As a matter of fact, He invites us to reason. Come now, says God in Isaiah, and let us reason together. 
I have no fear of reason. As a matter of fact, when I got saved, I did not have to check my brain out at the back door. My faith can withstand reason, scrutiny, logic, anything you want to throw at it. So let's do it. Let's, let's be reasonable this season. And, and let's, let, let's do that. If there is no God, let's, here it is. Here's some reason. If there is no God, this is what it really comes down to. If there is no God, put another way, no world of the supernatural. If there's not something else out there beyond our five senses, no fourth dimension, no heaven, no hell, no spirit beings, nothing beyond the reach of our senses, then yes, a virgin birth would be totally, completely preposterous. That's reasonable. But if there is a creator God and the unseen world described in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation really exists, then it's totally reasonable, logical, and sensible that a virgin could conceive by supernatural means. You see, it just comes down to, do you believe there's something supernatural out there or don't you? You say there's not, I say there is. You can't prove there's not. That's reasonable. Now let me be reasonable, and from the pulpit here and from my own heart, I've been preaching since I was 18 years old in one year. That means I've been preaching 40 years. I was raised, I was raised in a family that, that had an intellectual bent. My dad was an intellectual. And when I got saved, I got peppered with questions that made me dig deep. It was a very, very good thing for me because I got some big questions answered early on. And it's abundantly evident that the world, to me, it's so clear that the world out there and everything in it was designed on purpose. Designed on purpose rather than having evolved by random time and chance. So you either got faith in one of two things. Listen carefully to me. There's no other way to go. You either have faith in a supernatural creator God or you have faith in time and random chance because you've got to deal with origins this all came from something. It either came from a creator God or it came by atheistic evolution by time, times chance, give something millions, billions, trillions, zillions of years, and everything that we see, hear, taste, touch, and smell came about by the process of evolution. You've got to be in one of two camps. Well-known atheist Richard Dawkins who's one of the atheistic heroes of our day, has stated in one of his books, quote, it's absolutely safe to say that if you meet somebody who claims not to believe in evolution, that person is ignorant, stupid, insane, or wicked. Well, isn't it? My Bible says the opposite, that if you don't believe in God, you're a fool. Now, watch. I want to say that again. It's absolutely, absolutely safe to say, says Mr. Dawkins. I think he's a microbiologist. That if you claim to not believe in evolution, you're either ignorant, stupid, insane, or wicked. Well, Richard, I know countless people who are none of those who don't believe in evolution. And you know what? Charles Darwin himself did not believe that his theory of evolution answered the question of creation. He wrote in 
Origin of Species, page 637, Charles Darwin wrote, Science as yet throws no light on the far higher problem of the essence or origin of life. Uh-oh, Richard, your guy just said that evolution does not explain the origin of life. No, it cannot. You either believe in a creator God or you believe in atheistic evolution. What's sad to me is that our young people, our teenagers and our children are raised on atheistic evolution. And here's what that does to you. When you're raised in atheistic evolution and you believe that you're the result of a cold, apathetic, uncaring process called evolution and that you evolved over time from the apes, you have no design, no purpose, no meaning. No wonder you smoke it away, shoot it away, drink it away. You become nihilistic in your philosophy because why are you even here? Nothing matters anymore. But if you were made by a creator God, you have been designed, you have been fashioned, you have been formed. And if God did that, then you've got a purpose, you've got a reason, and you've got a destiny, and it makes all the difference in the world. You have not been fearfully and wonderfully evolved. The Bible says you were fearfully and wonderfully made, created, fashioned, designed. Imagine something with me for a moment. Let's put on our imagination hats here. Billions of years ago, a big bang produced a large rock. Bang! Rock. As the rock cooled down, sweet brown liquid formed on its surface. As time passed, aluminum appeared. And with more time and by random chance, the aluminum shaped itself into a sphere which finally took the form of a can. Are you with me? This is so believable. Right? I mean, come on. Give something millions, billions, trillions, zillions of years. Anything can happen out there, right? Realizing that a good thing was happening random time and chance developed a lid so that the sweet brown liquid could get out because after all evolution being random and impersonal and not really having a mind it still managed to come up with all kinds of good things wanting to perfect this amazing invention even further time and chance with another couple of million years ultimately created a tab in the can and evolution almost said it is good it says something is yet missing. So as millions of years floated by, red and white paint fell from the sky and formed itself into the words, Coca-Cola, 12 fluid ounces. Voila! The Coke can was evolved. Hey, Pastor Jeff, come on now. You know that couldn't happen. Well, what, what, no, 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 no. Because you, you, you atheistic evolutionists, you tell me that all of this complexity and magnificence of life came from some primordial sea. A single cell organism came crawling out of some primordial soup and grew legs and arms and a brain and eyes and grew into humans and apes and all the birds and the fishes and all of life. So come on. It could at least produce a can. Come on, a can. You say, no, 
Pastor Jeff, it could not do that because that's too perfect. Look at the perfect writing, Coke. But we're talking trillions and zillions of years. Anything can happen, right? Right? I mean, look at this can. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, Pastor Jeff, it's too cylindrical, too perfect. The print is too perfect to have just happened. What happened with the lights? Okay. Let there be light. And, and here's, here's the real kicker. This thing is made for a purpose. It is to hold the sweet brown liquid that we devour like crazy at home. It's Diet Coke. And look at this now. You say, no, that could never just happen. But look at you. The Bible says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And, and you, you are a hugely complex, incredible form of life. And if, if you say this could not happen, even if you gave it zillions of years, how did you happen? How did you happen? You say, well, it just did. No, 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 no. You're putting, you're putting faith in atheistic evolution and you can't even believe that a can could come out of evolution. Of course, this theory is an insult to your intellect. You know that a can's not going to evolve. You can't send a tornado through a junkyard and come up with a Mercedes. Because you know that the Coca-Cola can is clearly designed. And if it's designed, it has a designer. If it's made, it has a maker. And it was made and designed for a purpose. I mean, we know it's a myth. This season, celebrate reason. Let's be reasonable. Let's be reasonable. The Bible says, look around you. Look at the stars, planets, sun, and moon. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display His craftsmanship. The Bible is telling us, look at everything around you. It displays the designership of God. It's designed. It's made. It's fashioned. It's formed. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make Him known. What speaks? What makes Him known? His creation. Consider the mammals, marine life, insects, reptiles, plant life, and human beings. Just think about them. Seriously stop and consider whether all of this magnificent, multifaceted display of life and all of its complexity could actually have come about through time and random chance. Let's be reasonable. I say illogical, impossible, unreasonable. Or I would believe this can could have come out of it. Look at the eyeball. No pun intended. You get it? You're looking at your eyeball? Okay. The eye, the eye in your head right now has 40 million nerve endings. The focusing muscles move an estimated 100,000 times a day. Focusing. And the retina contains 137 million light-sensitive cells. Just happen? Just happen? Well, Charles Darwin inserted himself here again 
And he says in Origin of Species, chapter 6, quote, to suppose that the eye, with all of its inimitable contrivances for adjusting the focus to different distances, for admitting different amounts of light, and for the correction of spherical and color changes, could have been formed by natural selection, seems, I freely confess, absurd in the highest possible degree. Amen, Charles. Amen. You know what he was saying? Unreasonable illogical hello everybody you're raised in atheistic evolution taught atheistic evolution evolution has been deemed a science when in fact it's still a theory and you know the eyeball is only a small part of the most sophisticated part of creation which is the human body let's take the heart I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions about the heart did it really just happen did the first heart really evolve from nothing you say it couldn't happen to this can how long did the 12 different parts of the heart take? 12 different parts to develop where it could function effectively. Pump. How many defective parts were discarded before this incredible mechanism of life finally evolved to perfection? How many, how many mistakes? How many defections? And where are they? And when did the first heart send a message to mother evolution that it needed arteries to receive the blood that wasn't yet there that it needed to pump here lays a heart there's no arteries and there's no blood to send anything to them it's just a heart lonely heart the first lonely hearts club <laughs> and how long did it wait for those arteries do you know that in the human body the adult human body there are 60 thousand miles of blood vessels 60,000 miles of blood vessels are within you right now how long did it take for evolution time and chance to bring about all those arteries from nothing and where did it get the materials from which to make them but you know it's a myth let's celebrate reason not to mention how long do those arteries have to wait for the human body of bone and sinew and tissue and skin needed to contain those arteries what came first the skin or the arteries the heart or the blood because we're talking evolution over millions and billions and trillions and zillions of years I would say to you that this stretches common sense it tortures logic and it defies reason it's not reasonable to a thinking man or woman he said, well, I was taught it in school. Well, evolution will make a monkey out of you. George Gallup, the famous statistician, said this, I could prove God statistically. Take the human body alone. The chance that all the functions of the body would just happen is a statistical monstrosity. Albert Einstein said, everybody who is seriously interested in the pursuit of science becomes convinced that a spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe, a spirit vastly superior to man. And Einstein never turned to Christ. He died frustrated. I've read his biography. Brilliant, brilliant genius died frustrated he never came to a faith in Christ but with his brilliant mind he looked and he discovered what the Bible said that he would discover the heavens declare the glory of God a spirit had to have been involved 
that is far greater than man in the creation of all things because one thing he did discover was that it was designed and not happenstance. I got a fact for you today. Since evolution is still called a theory, then it is actually a faith-based religion. And I want to know why, since there's separation of church and state, a faith-based religion is allowed to be taught to our children. Because it is a faith-based religion. Why is it a faith-based religion? Because it's still a theory, and it requires a leap of faith to embrace it. Because you've got to go to either there was a big bang or something, and then there was a rock, and then there was sweet brown liquid and whatever. Or God said, let there be, and he flung the stars into space, and he scooped out the oceans, and he said, let there be, and the multifaceted, incredible creation of all the birds and all the colors lit the sky, and he said, let there be, and the thousands of species of fish began to swim and teem in the oceans, and he created the mammals, and then he said, let us make man. If I'm just dealing with it reasonably, I've got to conclude... It's more reasonable to believe in a supernatural creator. So I'd love to celebrate reason, but atheistic evolution for me is just not reasonable. The Bible springs from the starting gate with a counterclaim to atheistic evolution. Listen, in the beginning, God. It doesn't get four words in, and the Bible says God. In the beginning, God. And what do we know about this God? He created ex nihilo something out of absolutely nothing. That's what we cannot do. We're made in the image of God. We can design something. We can renovate something. We can build something. But only from existing materials, we can't create something out of nothing, not even a grain of sand. Only God can say, let there be. And poof, ex nihilo, something out of nothing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In Isaiah, God says, I have made the earth and created man on it. My hands stretched out the heavens and all their host I have commanded. God says, I did this. I created all this. Young people, God made you. Those of you listening by radio, you are not a happenstance of evolution. God made you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. And therefore, listen, since somebody, Coke, made this can for a purpose, God made you. Look at you. Think about you. God made you just so you could sit there as a can. Look at there. There's a good can. No, no, this was made for a reason. The reason's already been used. It's empty. But it did have in it Diet Coke. And so the purpose has already been used. You see, God created you to be the container of the life and the glory and the hope and the power and the truth and the wisdom of God. Right here. You are a container. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the glory may be of him and not of us, that he may receive the glory. God has put his glory inside of you. And what is the purpose? He wants you going out there and doing what? Pouring that life out. The good thing about God and you is he, then he refills you with more Coke. 
you get more life. You pour it out, he refills you. You pour it out, he refills you. So what is this church? We are designed and created by God, not by evolution, but by God. We did not evolve. We were made, and we were made for the purpose of being a container for the glory of God. And every believer is a container and a giver and a dispenser of the life of God. How does all this pertain to Christmas? Because once you come to face, face to face with the reality of a creator God, a creator, mighty creator God who made all things, it's not an act of ignorance, it's not an act of stupidity, it's not an act of insanity or of evil to believe that the power of the Most High overshadowed Mary and the same God that spoke something out of nothing spoke over her and that which is conceived in her was of the Holy Spirit. No way around it. When Jesus was born, he was not born of an earthly father. His father was God. God wrapped himself in skin and visited our war-struck, demon-infested, sick planet. He listened to us. He walked among us. He taught us. He became our primary philosopher, our primary teacher, our primary guide. And then he stretched out his hands and his feet and died on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven and the devil's power would be negated. And then he rose from the dead to the glory of God, the first of many to come after him. And what happened on the day of Pentecost? A bunch of empty Coke cans were standing there and God poured out his Holy Ghost. church we stand on the holy ground of a great miracle brought about by a supernatural creator god the angel's proclamation is true a virgin conceived and brought forth a son now all this was done said the prophet that it might be fulfilled what was spoken of the lord by the prophet saying behold the virgin shall be with child and will bring forth a son and they shall call his name emmanuel which means god is with us so you know it's a myth, atheistic evolution. This season, let's celebrate the reason, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Can we stand together? Do you know that next week I'm going to pick on them again and do another billboard? We're going to talk about another billboard next week. And this one is so funny. It's, it, it's funny and it's sad. And we're going we're gonna to pop the myth bubble. And it's going to be powerful. Bring a friend with you next week. Somebody who has been raised in atheistic evolution, raised without any knowledge of God, bring them. They're liable to get saved. But can we just thank the Lord right now that His person, His history, will bear scrutiny it will bear intellect. It will bear reason. And you can stand on it. And you can defend it with those around you who do not believe. Father, we just thank you right now that the reason for the season is a miracle that took place by a Creator God. And a virgin did conceive. And the Son of the living God was born. 
and he lives in our hearts today. And Lord, we pray for our neighbors and friends in this city and this country that has so walked away from God that there will be a return to this powerful truth. A miracle happened. God invaded earth to save us from our sins. Let's worship him a moment, can we? Lead us, John. Oh, come let us